Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. Hope you give them a call. Visit the website, johnsonsairconditioning.com. We have terrific guests for today's show, including Kathleen Pasadomo, our state senator. She'll be joining us. We'll find out what's new with Boo up in Madison, Wisconsin, Boo Mortensen. Seton Motley is the founder and president of uh, Less Government. We're talking about the globalists trying to reverse Trump's massively successful trade policies. And Byron Donald's candidate, Republican candidate for U.S. Congress in District 19, will be with us as well. It is October the 6th, and on this day in 1973, Egyptian and Syrian forces conducted a surprise attack on Israel, throwing the Middle East into turmoil and threatening to bring the United States and the Soviet Union into direct conflict for the first time since the Cuban Missile Crisis in 1962. Though actual combat did not break out between the two nations, the events surrounding the Yom Kippur War seriously damaged U.S.-Soviet relations and all but destroyed President Richard Nixon's much-publicized policy of detente. Initially, it appeared that the Egyptian and Syria would emerge victorious from the conflict, armed with up-to-date Soviet weaponry. The two nations hoped to avenge their humiliating defeat in the Six-Day War of 1967. Israel, caught off guard, initially reeled under the two-fronted frontal attack, but Israeli counterattacks turned the tide, aided by massive amounts of U.S. military assistance, as well as disorganization among the Syrian and Egyptian forces. The Syrians were driven back, with Israeli troops seizing the strategically important Golan Heights. Egyptian forces fared even worse, retreating back through the Sinai Desert. Thousands of their troops were surrounded and cut off by the Israeli army. Secretary of State Henry Kissinger, uh, together with the Soviet counterparts, eventually arranged a shaky ceasefire. When it came clear that Israel would not give up its siege of the Egyptian troops, low on food and medicine at the time, the Soviets threatened to take unilateral action to rescue them. Tempers flared both in Washington and Moscow. U.S. military forces went to stage three alert. Stage five is the launch of a nuclear attack, so it was pretty serious. The Soviets backed down on their threat, but the damage to relations between the two nations was serious and long-lasting. Kissinger worked furiously to bring about peace settlement between Israel and Syria and Egypt in what became known as the shuttle diplomacy. The Secretary of State flew from nation to nation, hammering out the details of the peace accord. Eventually, Israeli troops withdrew from some of their positions in both the Sinai and Syrian territory, while Egypt promised to forego the use of force in its dealings with Israel. Syria grudgingly accepted the peace plan, but remained adamantly opposed to the existence of the Israeli state. And here we are. Here we are, uh, what, 27 years later, the president, instead of working but trying to negotiate peace between Palestine and Israel, worked with the other nations, and now we're having peace again in the Middle East, 23 years later. Congratulations, President Trump, and now nominated for three uh, uh, Nobel Peace Prizes. Three, that is. Well, there are 11 new cases of COVID-19. I haven't heard that uh, low number in a long time. No additional deaths in Cuyahoga County on Monday. The seven-day average is 32 new COVID-positive uh, tests as of October the 4th. So that's a seven-day average. Monday, there were 25 COVID patients in Cuyahoga County Hospital. So, again, it looks like... You know, kind of whistling past the graveyard, but things are looking good when it comes to COVID-19 here on the Paradise Coast. President Donald Trump capped his return to the White House on Monday uh, with a, a video repeating his message to supporters urging them not to be afraid of the coronavirus. Don't let it dominate you, Trump told supporters in a video uh, posted uh, to Twitter. Don't be afraid of it. You're going to beat it. Trump issued a similar message in an afternoon tweet drawing criticism from people who said he was being too nonchalant about the virus that killed more than 200,000 Americans. Trump also thanked doctors, nurses, and first responders at the Walter Reed Medical Center and said he had learned so much about the virus. He's made something of a campaign push saying we're the greatest country in the world and we're not going to uh, back to we're going back to work. We're going to be out front as leader. I had to do that. 
Get out there. Be careful. We have the, the best medicines in the world, and they're all happened very shortly, and they're all getting approved, and the vaccines are coming momentarily, Trump said in the video. The president painted an optimistic view of his condition, saying that now I'm better and maybe I'm immune. I don't know, he said. The Trump delivered the remarks maskless from the White House South Portico shortly after he arrived from Walter Reed Medical Center. White House physician Sean Conley told reporters early on Monday that Trump would continue his treatment regimen at the White House where he will receive 24-7 world-class medical care. The president will continue taking his five-day course of redemsevir, an antiviral drug, as well as the steroid uh, that he's taking as well. The president will debate, uh, by the way, Joe Biden and his former inter intern, Steve Scully. That's right. Steve Scully is going to be the uh, uh, moderator. He's also a former intern for President uh, for Vice President Joe Biden. Scully, the moderator for the second week uh, next week, debate next week, has an interesting resume. He will be the former intern for Joe Biden. Amazing stuff. By the way, the message from the president, Alex Berenson said last night on the Tucker Carlson show that what he said was actually great leadership. I couldn't agree more. He's coming out from this situation basically saying we shouldn't be afraid of it. And you know what? The numbers uh, support him with that. Uh, people under the age of 65, the the uh, recovery rate is grabbed about 99% for people in his age uh, bracket cohort. It's about 94%. So uh, we have great drugs. And I, I was concerned, well, maybe he's getting these special drugs that nobody else can get. Aside from apparently one, uh, they're all the things that their current course of treatment that we'd all receive if we went to the hospital. So that's very reassuring as well. Uh, U.S. stocks climbed on Monday after President Trump said he would be discharged from the hospital in the evening, easing concerns about more political uncertainty ahead of the election. Investors also grew more hopeful. This may not be uh, uh, supported by the facts, but hopeful that lawmakers would reach a compromise on a new stimulus bill. Trump's illness, as well as the weak September jobs report, highlighted the urgency for further coronavirus aid after a months-long stalemate in Washington. The Dow Jones Industrial Average jumped 465 points, or about 1.7%. Uh, nice uh, day on the market. Uh, they jumped uh, to their session highs after Trump said he was in the afternoon tweet that he would be leaving Walter Reed National Military Medical Center at 6.30 p.m., and that's exactly what he did. Great to see him out of the hospital. Happy that he's recovered. Now, uh, here's a quote. You can guess who said it. It's uh, not going to be hard to figure out. This uh, yesterday, and they say, well, why in the hell would you say Biden? What well, we say that Biden, you just talked about all these difficulties. Well, I'm telling you why. Because the American public, the blinders have been taken off, he told a roundtable attendee, our attendees. They're all of a sudden see a hell of a lot of clearer. They're saying, geez, the reason I was able to stay sequestered in my home is because some black woman was able to stack the grocery shelf or a young Hispanic is out there, those dreamers out there, 60,000 of them acting as first responders and nurses and docs. All of a sudden, people are realizing, my Lord, these people don't have done so much, not just black, white across the board have done so much for me. We can do this. We can get these things done. And I think they're ready. That's what he said. The former vice president was slammed on social media with critics calling the comments racist and joking about Biden calling a lid. That's what he did yesterday. He gave up the day. Not going to talk with reporters after about 930 in the morning. What? And black folks still give him a pass? National Diversity Coalition for Trump CEO Daryl Scott exclaimed, You ain't blank if you ain't stocking the grocery shelf for Joe Biden. Political commentator David Rubin quipped, alluding to Biden's infamous You Ain't Black Calf from earlier in the year. And Creepy Joe did it again, saying that he wants to see young girls at the campaign stop dancing when they're four years older. What a creep. The shocking incident took place during a campaign stop at the Little Haiti Cultural Center in Miami on Monday. That's creepy. He got self-softball questions yesterday at an outdoor town hall in Florida. Uh, undecided voters were asked questions. There are apparently about 11 of them. None about his 47 years in politics. None about being associated with Senator Byrd, who was a former head of the KKK, uh, who he claims was mentoring him. Some referred to it as a Biden infomercial. Well, uh, 
one other thing I want to cover here. The Supreme Court on Monday it reinstated the requirement that South Carolina residents voting by mail in November's election get a witness to sign their ballots. Democrats had sought to have the requirement put on hold because of the coronavirus pandemic, but Republicans had it defended as a deferred, as a deferred fraud. And while the high court reinstated the requirement as the lawsuit as it proceeds, voters have already returned ballots. More than 200,000 absentee ballots have been mailed and 18,000 returned, according to the state's election commission. The court said that any ballot cast before the court's action Monday and received within two days of that order may not be rejected for failing to comply with the witness requirement. Uh, State Republican uh, Party Chairman Drew McKissick cheered the decision, despite the Democrats' efforts to hijack a pandemic and use it as a, to meddle with our election laws. They lost, he said in a statement. We're pleased that the Supreme Court reinstated the witness signature requirement and recognized its importance helping to prevent election fraud. And it certainly does. Uh, just pleased for the outcome. Uh, the uh, judges did give some leniency for the fact that the ruling was made after ballots had been received. Justice Clarence Thomas, Samuel Alito, and Neil Gorsuch would have required ballots that have already been returned to the to a witness signature to to the account. In other words, they would have the ballots returned. They would have had the ballots returned and required a, 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 a witness had they not been sent in that way. Unbelievable. So uh, good news. Uh, again, some of these attempts to mail in ballots and have uh, ballot harvesting and some of the things that the Democrats want to do, they're being rejected by the Supreme Court. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you'll visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Coming up, uh, we're going to be visiting with our state senator, Kathleen Pasadomo. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of The Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m. seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Gulf Shore Playhouse, devoted to creating professional New York-style theater at its very best and at affordable prices, presents a fabulous new season of productions beginning in November with a world premiere of a one-man show written by and starring the talented associate artistic director of Gulf Shore Playhouse, Jeffrey Bender. Pinup Girls opens in January, singing a cavalcade of hits inspired by real letters from our troops overseas. Inspired by what they find funny, romantic, heartbreaking, and sexy, the ladies put on a show that celebrate the guys and gals who fight to defend our country. Bang Bang opens in March, written by legendary actor of Monty Python fame, John Cleese. You'll surely be wiping away tears of laughter with this one. William Shakespeare's A Midsummer Night's Dream opens in March. Meddling parents, impetuous young lovers, and cunning fairies collide in Shakespeare's enchanting classic. Another Revolution by Jacqueline Bircher opens in May. You won't want to miss this timely new work about finding hope in one another through the uncertainty of the world around us. What a terrific season of productions. Tickets for this great new season are available now. Tickets start at only $38. Tickets can be purchased by calling the box office at 866-811-4100. 11 or visiting the website golfshoreplayhouse.org. We'll see you at the show. 
Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, bringing you New York-style professional theater. Theater at its very best. And, of course, building a brand-new uh, performing Arts Center in downtown Naples. That's going to be, I think, breaking ground in 2021. You can find out more by visiting the website golfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Right now, we have with us Kathleen Pasadomo, our state senator. Kathleen, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning. Good morning, Kathleen. I would imagine most of your times right now is consumed with your leadership position in the Republican Party and helping helping people get elected. Absolutely. I, I mean, I spend all day every day either uh, raising uh, funds for the candidates in Florida Senate that are running and uh, or uh, talking to uh, candidates themselves and, and strategizing and uh, looking at polls, and you know, it's uh, it's a really uh, sort of a sprint to the end. Um, I feel pretty confident that uh, we're going to bring back our twenty three senators and maybe pick up one or two. Oh, that's so, great! You so you so we're yeah, still in a we're still in a fundraising mode this close to the election. Yeah, I mean, the last day for accepting funds is like a week before, and uh, you know, unfortunately, the. Uh, the advertising costs, TV, et cetera, in, in uh, the metropolitan areas like Miami-Dade and uh, Broward County and Orlando area are so expensive, ex- exorbitantly expensive, and, and those are the hot seats, the contested seats. So you've got to, you know, I think we had to raise about $40 million for Senate campaigns this year. Wow. Just for the Florida Senate. That's but, unbelievable. you know, and we don't have those out-of-state funders, people like Bloomberg and Soros. Um, so we have to rely upon Floridians and Florida companies, uh, business, the business community, to support our races. And so, you know, that it takes a lot more calls. <laughs> I'm sure it does. You know, in, in, in Boston, for example, in Massachusetts, there's one media outlet. You take, you know, you have uh, the media outlets in Boston, and you're taking care of them. The state here, we've got what may, nine major metropolitan areas that have, you know, of course, uh, most of the candidates are running uh, locally. But if you're governor and running, you've got to raise a lot of money. That's right. And uh, and you know, even if you are running locally, you still, and it depends on the location, you still need to do media buys. Uh, we, you know, we have a race up in uh, uh, Tallahassee, which is a very inexpensive media buy. So we've been running ads just nonstop uh-huh. uh, for the last month or so. Now for, um, you know, for the, we have two uh, contested seats in, in the Miami-Dade area, and that's so expensive. Yeah. Um, but, you know, you got to do it because... People are because of COVID. A lot of people are staying home, and they're getting their they're getting all their information on TV. Yeah, so we have to on a on a slightly re, on a related topic. I read the, this morning that the mayor of uh, Los Angeles has decided to take his support and give it to a Soros backed Soros backed uh, district attorney candidate. Now, what that means is somebody who's not going to enforce the law. And I think the, the right. cocktail of having a DA like they have in Portland, Oregon, who won't enforce the law, and then you have elected officials who ask them not to uh, enforce the law, and you end up with, you know, I mean, Portland's still struggling with uh, riots up there. And uh, do we have any district attorney candidates like that in Florida? Uh, not that I'm aware of, hmm. um, but, you know, there are a number of... Democrat uh, uh, areas where, you know, obviously it's a Democrat seat. But I think uh, generally in the past, anyway, Florida's been almost a little bit of a blue dog state. And, and, uh, you know, law enforcement has been um, uh, supported. But unfortunately, I think I see that changing a little bit with some of the younger people that are running for office. And it's very troubling because they... They have no life experience. They really uh, don't appreciate, you know, 
the realities because they've been cosseted yep. and they're young. A lot of them are right out of college. You know how liberal that is. And uh, they talk a lot. And they don't really, I don't know, they don't appreciate what's happened in the past. That's and, exactly and right. a lot more of that. I'm very concerned about that. I am as well. And, uh, of course, Soros and his strategy here is, you know, you know a lot about presidential candidates uh, because you can read about it. But usually, a district attorney candidate is going to raise oh maybe five ten thousand dollars for the for the uh, race, and Soros is throwing in, for example, the district attorney and uh, Kim, what's her name up there in, in Chicago, two million bucks. Now that's a lot of media buy. If the candidate gets elected and doesn't afford enforce the law, it, it starts to destroy the rule of law in that local area. Absolutely, and, and it, it is very troubling. Uh, and there's some of these uh, buzzwords of defunding the police and the like mm-hmm. are, are really scary because uh, can you imagine 2 o'clock in the morning, there's an altercation. A lot of it's domestic violence, right? Yeah. Uh, what are they going to send a social worker? <laughs> yeah. That doesn't work. No. It doesn't work. See, right here in Cuyahoga County, I'm, I'm aware that if, it, in fact, there is a domestic violence call or disturbance in Cuyahoga County, there must be some sort of an arrest made uh, in that in that situation. And yeah. uh, so, you know, what that means to me is that they're going to enforce the law. And uh, that's why I think you see people staying away. They're not going to come to Cuyahoga County. We hope not, anyhow, because they're, <laughs> they're not going to do well in this in this location. No. Well... We still have a very conservative community, uh, Southwest Florida, uh, and the Panhandle areas are, are considered to be the two most conservative areas in the state. Um, and, you know, it's changing a little bit, though, because, yeah. and you and know, I've talked about this before, we get a lot of people moving to Florida to escape high taxes and believe it or not, COVID in New York, Massachusetts, New Jersey, and Connecticut. They're all coming to Florida. Yeah. The first thing they sell is, uh, you know, wear a mask, and uh, you're not spending enough money on us. And it's terrible. And yeah. so, it, you know, when you take your ideology from up north, it's a problem. Yeah, well, you know what, we sh- and I say this facetiously, but we should have some sort of a law that requires a, a civics <laughs> test before you can register to vote. <laughs> Honestly, it... it it's, it is troublesome because there's, there are a lot of people that, that, you know, they move into a state, but they have no idea how our government works. Yeah. Um, and the, what they would like to do is change it to, to be more like what they saw up north that they're escaping from. Yeah, you know, I've been doing this kind of show for, well, 12 years or so, both on the radio and, and on the Internet, and I must say, uh, things have gotten so much better in Florida over that course of, over that period of time with uh, Re- Governor Scott, with Governor uh, DeSantis, and with the legislature that we currently have. I think uh, things are getting better and better. Well, I, I, I think so. I mean, we, you know, we've been very careful on um, your favorite topic on deregulation, yep. business uh, development, business climate. Um, I hope we, I hope we can continue that, which is why I'm working night and day to make sure we keep the uh, Florida Senate in Republican hands. Right. There's a lot of outside money coming in, and we've got to fend them off. Kathleen Pasadena, again, our state senator. I genuinely appreciate your time here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, and have a great day. You as well. Thank you, Kathleen. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Boo Mortensen up in Madison, Wisconsin. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Blue Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the Intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere 
that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. you have an extra auto you'd like to donate to charity, maximize your tax deduction, support your favorite charity, and help a local child in need by calling Naples Auto Donation Center. Naples Auto Donation Center is a not-for-profit licensed car dealer. Just call NADC at 692-9840 and they'll take it from there. You get a properly documented tax deduction for whatever the vehicle actually sells for. Your designated beneficiary charity gets half the profit after fix-up costs and the net revenue generated by NADC goes to Friends of Foster Children to provide tutoring and other enrichment activities for foster children the government doesn't provide. And NADC is also one of the few places in Collier County that sells inexpensive cars that actually run to folks who would otherwise not be able to afford one. It's a real win-win. Call Naples Auto Donation Center at 692-9840 or visit the website nadckids.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability, creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. It's a moral imperative, and I proudly serve on their board. I hope you'll check out the website, thefga.org. Coming up, I'm going to visit with Byron Donalds, candidate, or Republican candidate for Congress here in District 19. Right now, it's time to find out what's new with Boo. Boo Mortensen up in Madison, Wisconsin. Boo, how are you doing? Well, I'm doing well. Um, fall is coming. The trees are changing. It's getting colder at night. There are frost warnings. And we're all starting to head down to Florida, which is maybe good or bad for Florida. You meaning uh, we got new people moving down here from uh, other yeah. states? Yeah, that's for COVID stricken states. Yeah, you know what? Uh, yep. Yeah, I mean the uh, the red states are doing so much better than the blue states economically. It's so interesting to see, and uh, uh, the governor now has opened up the state for uh, coronavirus purposes to stage three, meaning all businesses can operate at a hundred percent. It's uh, it's a good thing to see. It is, and it's very different from where we are. I mean, it's it's shocking, shocking, the difference. But speaking of the coronavirus, let me ask you, do you think that the fact that Trump got it and how he's handled it, do you think it will hurt or help his reelection? You know what, I, th- I think it's going to help his reelection. I think what he said uh, yesterday was so powerful to the American people. Say, look, you know, I got it. It's, uh, you know, you, we all have to be careful. We have to take heed and need to, be, to watch our health. But it's not going to, you know, for most people, it's not going to kill us. You know? <laughs> and mm-hmm. and uh, to me, that's just great leadership. Now, a lot of people didn't like the fact that he said that. But I think it's in concert with the truth. The truth is that if you're under age 65, now he's in a cohort where there, there's some real danger. But even with mm-hmm. uh, even with President Trump, you know, the chances are only 5% he's going to die. Right. But the press, of course, has spun that around, saying that he's showing total disregard for the virus and, you know, don't worry about it. And, and uh, it's not that big a deal. Well, you know, it has, it's very contagious, but as you said, it has a very low lethality. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the flu kills people every year. You know, automobile accidents kill people. Life is risky. <laughs> but, but you have to, yeah. you know, and there's a lot of risk, the unintended consequences of shutting down the economy. So I think a lot of that criticism is politically motivated, quite frankly. I think the president's speaking the truth on this one, and I'm just really proud of him for, in fact, Alex Berenson was on the Tucker Carlson show last night. He's the guy that wrote that, that I forgot the name of it, I've read it, but uh, he basically is saying he, he's made himself an expert on coronavirus, and he's saying President Trump is absolutely right on that comment. He needs to encourage people not to be afraid. One of the things I was concerned about is, hey, maybe the president's getting all this special stuff that nobody else can get. And what I found, right. and what I found out is that's just, there was one antibody of some sort that uh, we cur- currently can't get, but everything else, 
that's the typical treatment for uh, coronavirus in the hospital. Yeah. You know, you mentioned Tucker Carlson and, and Fox News. Let me ask you, how do you get your news? Well, that's a great question because I, I listen to people talk and sometimes I have a very good friend who said, you know, the president's so cavalier and, and says it's not a big, and I, I listen to him and I say, where did you hear that? <laughs> and uh, for me, I look at a lot of news outlets. I look at, uh, uh, for example, Bongino Report. I look at wetfinger.com. I look at uh, uh, Fox News. I take a look at uh, the Gateway Pundit. I look at um, Breitbart.com. I look at uh, uh, WashingtonExaminer.com. What about you? Where do you look? You know, I get. You know, I I don't do as much research obviously as you do, but. You know, I listen to Fox, I, but I, you know, we also listen to CNN. It's always good to listen to what the other side is saying. Yeah. Just because it's just interesting. I get a lot. I would say the majority I get is from the Wall Street Journal. Uh -huh. And then on the flip side of that, the Drudge Report. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I a bit little bits of bits and pieces. But do you know where a quarter of the of Americans, of U.S. adults, get their news from? Well, I'm going to. I would guess from. Uh, uh, I, I think I heard this is is it from uh, YouTube and from the uh, social media uh, outlets. Yes, yes, social media. Aren't you? I when I read that, I was shocked. Yeah. Well, uh, my wife Linda is on uh, uh, social media a lot. And uh, she she comes up with stuff that's you know proves to be true. It's reported on hours later, but she gets it. It's breaking, you know. So I don't know how she does it. She puts a lot of time into it, but uh, I can understand why people do it that way. One of the things that happens on social media, I'm thinking of uh, Twitter, is uh, for example, the president might, or let's say Joe Biden makes a comment, or somebody makes a comment, and they're going to get feedback immediately, either praising or questioning or challenging. Uh, what's going on. So it really is a great leveler in terms of uh, the discourse in the community. Mm -hmm. um, like what you said, Linda, your wife spends a lot of time on social media. Mm. Like what social media? Twitter, Twitter mainly uh, Facebook a little bit, but mainly Twitter. And of course, what happens is that you start following people that you respect. You start, and some people that you don't, but uh, in other words, you kind of get a feel for what's going on out there. Did you hear that Congress has has uh, complained or filed some sort of a, 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 a censure of QAnon, I don't know if you even know who QAnon is, but it's a guy who kind of speaks Socratically in terms of uh, on the uh, on Twitter, mm -hmm. and uh, he's uh, you know, he's he's way out ahead of the news in many cases. Some people think it might be a high level person in, in the Trump administration, but uh, you know it's gotten to the point now where Congress is starting to censure Q. <laughs> Oh, for goodness sake. Yeah. Really, wow. Really happening. So, uh, well, my other my other thing that is just like a quirky thing, you know, we all get older. Yeah. When you were a kid, did you wa look at Playboy magazines? Uh, yes, I did. I okay, love... Okay, well, my, <laughs> my kids did, too. I think they, I don't know where they got them, but when we finally moved, there were stacks of Playboy <laughs> magazines. <laughs> Under their mattresses. Um, but do you know, I just read this morning that Dolly Parton, who is going to be 75, which is shocking in and of itself, yeah. is going to pose for Playboy magazine. Now, it's surprising, number one, because of her age, so I give her credit for that. But number two, I didn't know Playboy magazine still existed. Uh, I honestly didn't either. So, uh, well, that's that's kind of breaking news there. <laughs> <laughs> you heard there it. You, have it. You, you heard it here on the Bob Harden show. <laughs> well, Boo, thank you, you so much. the magazine. Thank you so much for sharing, sharing that with us, Boo. I always appreciate you having you on the show. Thanks so much for joining us. Oh, my pleasure. All right, have a great day, Boo. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Seat Motley. Seaton is the founder and president of Less Government. We're going to do that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. You listen to the Bob Harden Show, so why not market your company to our loyal listeners? Ads are played live on each show and then archived so listeners can hear the show and your ad at their convenience. Each advertising package includes a banner on BobHarden.com with a link to your website at no extra charge. Join Lulabee's Diner, Johnson's Air Conditioning, Blue Provence, and many others who advertise on the show. Call me at 598-3889, that's 598-3889, or send an email to BobHarden at Hotmail.com to design an ad program that's just right for your business and your budget. You'll be pleasantly surprised at the cost and the value. Several advertisers have been with me for years. Find out why by calling 598-389 or send me an email to bobharden at hotmail.com. You'll be glad you did. Did you know St. Matthew's House operates the only emergency homeless shelters in Collier County? St. Matthew's House provided more than 500,000 hot meals to those in need last year, and since 2010, 527 men and women have graduated from the St. Matthew's House Justin's Place Addiction Recovery Program. For over 30 years, St. Matthew's House has provided innovative solutions to fight homelessness, hunger, substance abuse, and poverty in Southwest Florida. And you can help St. Matthew's House in this life-transforming work by patronizing the St. Matthew's House Thrift Stores, Cafe M25, Car Wash and Detailing Center, and award-winning catering operations. For more information, visit stmatthewshouse.org. That's stmatthewshouse.org. St. Matthew's House is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization and does not solicit government funding. to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. Hearing the St. Matthew's House commercial reminds me of Lulu B's Diner at the Green Tree Shopping Center. Uh, Lulu B's Diner supports St. Matthew's House in a big way, as we all should. And I hope you'll stop by for a great breakfast or lunch at Lulu B's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center. Coming up, we're going to visit with a candidate, Byron Donalds, a Republican candidate for District 19 Congress, the Congress seat. Right now we have with us Seton Motley. Seton is the founder and president of Less Government. Seton, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Seton. Tell us about Less Government. Yeah, we've just reduced the size, scope, and... <laughs> Excuse me. And I'm allergic to it, I guess. Um, <laughs> sphere of influence of government. Uh, uh, LessGovernment.org is the website. So, Seton, you wrote about the uh, D.C. globalists. And boy, the D.C. globalists, are, they really do exist, are already trying to reverse Trump's massively successful trade policies. Maybe you could tell us about it. Yeah, there's a, they're, they're, they're slowly recompiling themselves in, 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 in one specific area of trade, which, of course, is fundamental to all of Trump's trade, which is the tariffs. They want to get rid of all the tariffs, and the tariffs are awful. And, you know, just because they subsid- they're stupid on their trade policies doesn't mean we have to be stupid on ours. And it, it, they're, so they're, they're recompiling themselves to launch an effort to get Congress, I, I guess, to rein in uh, Trump's uh, tariffing authority. And, of course, this is really stupid policy because, you know, Trump's panoply of of policies, it's not like a Mr. Potato Head. It's not a buffet where you can say, oh, I'll take the steak and the roast beef and skip the peas and the Brussels sprouts. No, they all work together. They all depend upon one another. Of course, you know, his tax cuts are important and good. His regulatory cuts are important and even better. Um, but when it comes, we didn't have wage increases for half a century. Mm-hmm. We cut taxes. We didn't get wage increases. We sometimes cut regulations. We didn't get wage increases. What got us wage increases? Well, it was two things. It was the taxes and the, and the regulatory cuts. But it was one Trump's tightening of the of the border and and and. Right. Uh, slowing down the abuse of our 23 different work visas where a company will fire all its American employees and say, oh, before you leave, if you want your 
severance package, you had to train your work visa for cheaper uh, successors. That really happened, didn't it, Seton? It's unbelievable. Oh, it happened at Disney. Yeah. It, it was one pla- one of many places. So, in other words, um, here, here's your walking papers. You're fired. But before you leave, you take another three. If, if you want your severance package, you got to uh, train your replacement. Right. <laughs> From India. <laughs> From India or, you know, Thailand or wherever. So, so then, of course, um, uh, the other thing is uh, the tariffs. Uh, you, you, you know, we've spent 50 years exporting jobs. How did we do that? Well, our taxes were higher. Our regulations were higher. Uh, um, and we set up a situation where we, we're the number one economy on the planet. And we set up situations where... Every other country on the planet could limit what we export to them, but we wouldn't limit what they export to us. We, they could tariff what we exported to them, but we didn't tariff what they exported to us. All right. So what companies said, okay, I can stay in America and fight and pay tariffs and fight the limits of foreign countries with smaller economies, or I can move to one of the smaller economies and get unlimited free access to right. America's number one largest world market. Right. So, of course, thousands and thousands of jobs, millions of companies left and relocated overseas. See, no, so what happened here is as many people are saying, well, gosh, the cost of goods going down because they have cheaper labor. But you know what? They're taking our jobs. People aren't making the money they used to make. Well, and, and, and again... I'll quote Kennedy in a completely different context, a rising tide lifts all boats. Right. And is it really cheaper if you pay a nickel less for your television and your three neighbors down the street are out of a job and no. are on welfare? No, no. Is that, is that cheaper? Is that good math? No. Um, you know, and it's, it's a great line. I heard it from Laura Ingram. I'm not sure where she got it. We're a nation with an economy, not an economy with a nation. Right. The nation comes first. Right. This is not a this is not a college dorm room where at three in the morning where everyone's smoking bongs and trying to you know come up with the best global policy. <laughs> this is real life with real <laughs> human beings in America, and you know America first is right. We've had America last policies for fifty years. Right. And so the tariffs are a key component of this because you know we've talked about you know I, I love this example because it's just so one sided. There are over 100 countries in the world that trade sugar. Brazil subsidizes their sugar farmers $4 billion a year. Surprise, they control half the global sugar market. Yeah. Because it is decidedly unfair to every other country's farmers to try to compete with sugar that's $4 billion a year cheaper because the government's subsidizing it. That's not free trade. That's not fair trade. That's not balanced trade. And what you're doing is you're screwing American farmers trying to compete against that unilaterally uh, disarmed, which is what you do when you say, we won't tariff you, we won't subsidize, we won't uh, limit your imports. Um, And so you're undercutting, you know, any manufacturer, food farmers are food manufacturers, ranches are food manufacturers, and you're destroying them, you're undercutting them right. when you're allowing foreign, cheap, subsidized stuff into the country to compete against their non-subsidized, non-protected stuff. So, and so, that's what's in, so see, that's, I mean, it, the fact of the matter is, I think President Trump would like to do away with tariffs altogether, but he's using tariffs to get a fair, get a balanced... Well, you uh, can't... You know how they say, you know, you know, people ask why more people don't die at NASCAR because everybody's doing 200 miles an hour? It's because everyone's doing 200 miles an hour. It's relative rates of speed. Mm-hmm. If, you hit, if you're doing 200 miles an hour and you, hit another, you sideswipe another car hitting 200 miles an hour, it's bad. But it, because you're in relation to one another, mm-hmm. it's not that bad versus, you know, driving into a wall head-on at 60 miles an hour. Mm-hmm. It's a relative rate of speed. The trade has to be relative to the two sides have to be relative to one another. Right. If they're subsidizing four billion dollars a year and you're subsidizing zero, well, then you're going to get destroyed by that side because they're subsidized right. four billion dollars a year. Right. You've got to get it closer to to parity, closer to relativity, and that's Trump's applying these. And just to show you how small our tariffs are. When Trump came in, they were 1.4%. They're now 2.9%. A minimal increase. Oh, I mean, I mean, he doubled it, but, you know, it's still, you, you know, it, it, it's tiny. 
In a global economy, our economy is $22 trillion. He increased uh, tariffs on everybody combined, including $300 billion on China, by $500 billion. Yeah. That's nothing. Abs- That's nothing. Absolutely. And, 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 we got, and look at the wage. We, we grew GDP by two trillion dollars in three years. See, that's I such think an important return on our investment. I would say that's just a great point because with uh, he, the levers that he's pulling are having minimal impact on the economy, but it has a major impact on p- potential trade partners. And it's going to well, change. It, well, China was before this virus hit. It's hard to remember back that far. Yeah, but before this virus hit, with three hundred billion dollars in tariffs implied by Trump, China was on the brink of collapse. Yeah, because just from that little tiny amount of pressure, which shows two things: one, the tariffs are much more damaging to them than they are to us, and two, they're a paper tiger, and 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 we pretended to be afraid of them for decades when we really don't have to do so. Seaton Motley again, the founder and president of Less Government. This has been such an interesting discussion, Seaton, and making such great points. Uh, again, I think the ultimate goal here is to have no tariffs, but that's going to happen only when uh, <laughs> we we have a, f- a balanced uh, or Leveled yeah, playing field. Can we please stop being the globe's punching bag? Please. Exactly. Again, lessgovernment.org is the website. You can also visit Less Government on Facebook. Seton, always a pleasure to get your commentary. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you very much. My pleasure indeed. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Byron Donalds, uh, our candidate, Republican candidate for the uh, House of Representatives here in District 19. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. Do you or a family member suffer from chronic pain in your knees, hips, or shoulders? Joint pain can be a nagging and serious problem requiring expert and compassionate care. I know I'm Bob Harden, the host of The Bob Harden Show. Until 2006, I was suffering debilitating pain and deformity in my knees. I couldn't enjoy biking or golf or even sleep without chronic pain as a constant companion. Thanks to Dr. George Markovich and the professional staff at the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, my pain is gone, and I'm back to doing the activities I enjoy with no pain. I have a lifestyle I can only imagine. Imagine prior to knee surgery, and you can too. Call the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. They will thoroughly evaluate your condition, provide personalized, state-of-the-art treatment, and help you relieve your pain and get back to your active lifestyle. At the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, your care will be professionally managed through every phase of your recovery. For an initial consultation, call the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, located off Tamiami Trail in Bonita Springs, at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. You listen to The Bob Harden Show, so why not market your company to our loyal listeners? Ads are played live on each show and then archived so listeners can hear the show and your ad at their convenience. Each advertising package includes a banner on BobHarden.com with a link to your website at no extra charge. Join Lulabee's Diner, Johnson's Air Conditioning, Blue Provence, and many others who advertise on the show. Call me at 598-3889, that's 598-3889, or send an email to BobHarden at Hotmail.com to design an ad program that's just right for your business and your budget. You'll be pleasantly surprised at the cost and the value. Several advertisers have been with me for years. Find out why by calling 598-3889 or send me an email to bobharden at hotmail.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host... Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best and building a brand-new performing arts center in downtown Naples. You can find out more by visiting golfshoreplayhouse.org. We have with us, as I mentioned before the break, our candidate, Republican candidate for Congress in District 19, Byron Donalds. Byron, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, Bob. How are you? I'm great, Byron. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Excellent. I'm doing all right. Well, I know it's just a few weeks uh, before the campaign, and, uh, uh, you know, <laughs> I think uh, usually when you win the primary, uh, you're in, in, in uh, District 19, you're going to win the election. But I'm sure you're still out there hustling. 
I am. I actually, one of the big things I've been doing is debating my opponent, um, Dr. Banyer. We've debated four times now. I think we have another two scheduled to go. And, you know, the reason why I wanted to, to do that, frankly, is to, in, in some respects, expose what Democrats actually think and actually are, are, are supporting. Um, you know, when you get away from their platitudes and their talking points and their, you know, their great sounding phrases, and you get into the, the, the nuts and bolts of their, their plans, you realize either one, they don't have a plan mm -hmm. or number two, you realize that what they want to do requires taking a lot of your liberty and taking a lot of your, your, your authority as an individual and giving more power to government. It's actually quite clear. It, it never changes. <laughs> and, um, you know, it's, it's like this thing last night that Joe Biden was doing in Miami, his town hall. I'm watching segments of the town hall this morning, and they asked him what, what would he do with respect to a national mask mandate? You know, does the president have the power to do this? And Joe Biden even has to admit that, no, the president doesn't have the authority. He admits that he would have to work with local leaders and governors. And then he's, but then he goes on and says, well, you know, we have to have a strategy. We have to work with governors and local leaders. And I'm sitting there perplexed because I'm like, what do you think the president of the United States has been doing for the last six months? Like what he says we need to do in an actual answer is what the president's been doing for six months, Bob. And this is the problem. And so one of the reasons I decided to stay active and stay campaigning and actually debating my opponent is because people need to hear. And people need to know and people need to see what the truth is versus the nonsense and the talking points from the left. Now, I'm so pleased to hear that. I, I have to, I'm ashamed to say that I haven't seen any of the debates, even though they're aware uh, on uh, media outlets. Uh, I, do you, can you think of one if people would like to watch one, one that you would uh, recommend? Oh, go back and watch the news press, uh, the the. Uh, a PBS, local PBS station, WGCU, NaplesNews.com, and NewsPress.com. They put it on Facebook. I believe it's on their websites. It was televised on PBS last week. Well, the reason I haven't watched one is because I've seen you uh, and you're in a debating situation before, and uh, I just well, I just know you're head and shoulders above the, the competing candidates. So I definitely support you, Byron, in your candidacy. I wanted to ask you about the president's uh, coronavirus, his release from the hospital, his comments. Mm -hmm. What are your your thoughts um i think well, first of all the president um like every american is responsible for their health and i think that you know the president deciding with his team to check himself in the walter reed as a, as a precaution um is a good one the president 74 he has to take this seriously mm -hmm. i think the medical team around him understands this as well i think the decision to release him after a couple of days and sent him back to the white house is something that frankly a lot of americans are dealing with with respect to COVID 19. uh the the left would have you think that COVID 19 is a death sentence yeah. that is not true right. most people actually never get hospitalized when they test positive that's why melania was not at walter reed because right. they looked at her and said you don't need to go there you could just stay here um and so i think with the president probably they took a little bit more precautions for obvious reasons not just passing the but also because he is the leader of the free world and so it's a heightened thing for the president but that being said you know after a couple days they're obviously they realize he doesn't have to stay here and they sent him back to the white house and that's where he decided to go there's nothing wrong with that what's wrong are frankly these knucklehead reporters who constantly believe that virtual virtue signaling is the only way to lead and it's simply not true. I think the president is doing the right thing. He's showing the American people not to be afraid of the virus. That doesn't mean you don't take it seriously. What it means is you don't let it run your life. That's right. And those are two different things. And the Democrats want to use it to run your life. And that's the problem. You know, Byron, I couldn't agree more. And I was so proud of him to make the comments, you know, let's uh, be be brave, uh, you know, be careful, but be brave to, uh, and continue to grow the economy. I just think his leadership was just outstanding. I think it's been outstanding just looking back uh, and given the circumstances he's found himself in with this great economy that was going. Uh, I think he, looking back, he's made great decisions up to this point and including what he said coming out of the hospital out of Walter Reed. Listen, one of the, Eric and I were just talking about it this morning, about all the things that actually have been done uh, to, to deal with, with uh, COVID-19. What nobody's talking about is the fact that the president has led not just the coronavirus task force, but the supply chain task force. Mm -hmm. Why was that important? 
it was important to make sure that our first responders, our medical professionals, had access to all the material they needed to combat the virus. Early on, there was not all the stockpiles because nobody thought we needed those stockpiles. Even previous administrations didn't think we needed those stockpiles. The president got all those stockpiles up in under three months. Ventilator stock. There weren't there were there were not enough ventilators in the country, especially in blue states. Mm -hmm. Blue states that have bigger budgets that tax more, they didn't make the priority decision to have ventilators. The president stepped into action, made sure that we got those ventilators for their states. So many ventilators that they were sending them back to the federal government. When you're when you're out there and you're actually having to be in there making these decisions on the fly to create a plan, to create a strategy. That's what the president's done for six months. But for the Democrats, because they're not making people wear masks, they're running around saying, oh, there's no strategy. That is a lie. It is the biggest lie of 2020. And it's high time Republicans actually stand up and start taking this head on. Well, and the other thing I'm most proud of, the, the, the president has not... He's not squandered our our liberty. In other words, he's made good decisions. He understands where the line of demarcation is between the governors and the and the st cities and states and their responsibility versus his federal powers and responsibilities. And I think he's handled that in just a terrific way. Oh, you're absolutely right. I mean, look at what the what the court in Michigan did to Meg Whitner. Yeah. Basically, basically found what she was doing unconstitutional. And guess what? It was unconstitutional. And if the court in California actually had a couple conservatives on there, they would tell they would tell Gavin Newsom what he's doing in California is unconstitutional. Let me tell you what's happening in California right now. So Disney World in Orlando is open, right? Mm -hmm. Disneyland in California is closed. I was on the phone with a representative from Disney yesterday. They're they are per so perplexed because Disneyland in California is closed. They keep coming up with guidelines of how they can open, essentially using the Florida model in California. Gavin Newsom keeps keeps changing the goalposts. Yeah. He keeps moving the go goalposts and won't let Disneyland open. So now who's leading who now? Is it true that we need Democrats to virtue signal, which means they're just going to keep playing around with what the metrics are and we, the American people, won't be able to get back to work? Or are we going to rely on the plans that companies have made to help keep their customers safe and their employees safe while still running their business? See. You see, that's a plan, Bob, yeah. not virtue signaling. Yeah, I'm so pleased that you you mentioned that because again, there's so many things that in this election are at stake, and I'm just thinking about our First Amendment rights, our Second Amendment rights, freedom of speech, our liberties. Uh, you think about uh, securing the border, all the things that really are going to keep us prosperous and keep us moving in the right direction. I think is what President stands for right now, and uh, election of Biden could lead to, I would say, uh, economic and uh, personal disaster for everyone. Look, I want to be clear on this one. Joe Biden and the Democrats don't have a plan. Mm -hmm. You know what will happen if they take over the government? They'll take what Donald Trump did and say they did it. <laughs> that is the truth. You know, it, that's it, what will happen. It's so interesting you say that because when I think about the campaign that uh, or has been orchestrated by by uh, Biden, it, you know, he's been accused of plagiarism twenty years ago. He's doing it again. He's trying to. <laughs> That's what that's what I have. Oh, furthermore, what the the full the full thing of what they'll do, then they'll pass this disastrous Heroes Act that Mitch McConnell is correct to never let see the light of day. Yeah, and and use this crisis to bail out blue states who never took their their finances seriously. Right, and they'll use this as an excuse to bail those states out, which is a complete disaster. Because states like New Jersey, Illinois, New York, California, their budgets are where they are. Their their problems are what they are because their legislatures and their governors did not take their responsibilities seriously, Absolutely. and that's why that bill should never see the light of day. You know, I hope you all of us uh, again will be. If you don't know about Byron Donalds and the situation, just to go to his website, byrondonalds.com. Definitely support Byron here in these last days. Make a contribution. Uh, to, at byrondonalds.com Byron, I genuinely appreciate you coming on the show. I certainly support you in your candidacy. I think you'll do a terrific job in Washington, D.C. in Congress. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, Bob. You have a great day. You as well. Thank you. Uh, well, that was a fun interview. I hope you'll come back again soon. Uh, hope you enjoyed the show. I certainly did. You can uh, uh, give me some critique or feedback uh, at bobharden at hotmail.com. You can also, if you'd like to get on the list to uh, receive 
uh, a newsletter, I'll be happy to send that to you as well, bobharden at hotmail.com. Tomorrow we're going to visit with Bob Levy, chairman of the Cato, visiting with Andrew Joppa, professor and uh, author of Josephus of Oz, and Larry Bell and Bell at the University of Houston in space architecture, architecture will be joining us as well. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com.